0: Welcome to Dragon Talk. I'm Greg Tito. I'm joined by my wonderful co-host,
1: Shelley Mazzanobo. And she is ready to
0: dance the night away and or sing I a little song. I am
1: inspired by our guest. Because our guest
0: is Mr. Ben Queller. a, I guess you'd call him a pop rock musician. Yeah. Uh, it has been around for a long time. I've been a big fan of his. He, uh, uh, was in Brooklyn, New York where in, when I was there for a while. I actually got to see him at a show. Maybe I'll get a chance to uh, be like, hey, I saw you play once oh, in man. front of me. And, <laughs> and then with a whole lot of other people there. <laughs> I I'll, bet he'll totally remember. Oh, him. yeah. I'll be like, oh, yeah, you were that guy that was Is dancing that? around like an idiot. I'm like, yeah, that was probably me. Um, but uh, yeah, no, he's this great musician. Then I found out just a little while ago that he played Dungeons and Dragons, uh, and uh, I was and like, "Loves it." Let's get him on this podcast and talk about it. So I'm excited about that. We'll pick his brain about uh, yeah. how he started uh, everything, and uh, you know, maybe just learn about music because
1: I've got a lot of questions. Obviously. I know you do. I do. You both. I like to. I did. I like to pick the minds of creative types.
0: That's right. Yeah. And I think that's a big part of uh, this podcast. So we're excited about that. But uh, before we get to that, we shall uh, tell you about a few things. Storm King's Thunder is uh, an adventure, an epic adventure. and It is out in stores right now. You can check it out also on Roll20 and on Fantasy Grounds. If you're not into that whole you know physical book thing, you can... Uh, <laughs> play with your friends uh, using those virtual tabletops and get friends almost all, over the world. all of the uh, convenient maps and and uh, uh, calculations that those programs do for you. So go check that out. Very cool. Uh, Volo's Guide to Monsters is coming up pretty soon as well. November 4th, there's an alternate cover. Uh, I'll tell you more about that in the outro. Uh, but it is on our my radar as one of the coolest books to come out. It's got a lot of stuff about monsters, their lore, their background. Tons of new uh, stats that you can drop into your game at any time. But, you know, dude, I'm actually more excited about the the, the story and the oh. lores than everything else. The lores. The lores. Yes. And speaking of lores, uh, I think we might have a lore you should know.
1: Oh, good. Coming
0: up. So let's get to that with Mr. Chris Perkins and Matt Cernit. Okay. All right. Welcome to another segment of Lore You Should Know. I am joined by Mr. Chris Perkins.
2: Hello. Hello. How goes it on this fine day? This fine gray Seattle day. Yes. Beautiful fall day. Everything is great.
0: I'm hoping that that great has a G and an N in it. Uh, Because we're talking about gnolls. Gnolls. (laughs) Gnolls. Uh, Matt Certain is still gallivanting away, uh, but uh, in the meantime, we're going to uh, uh, yeah get into what makes these half hyena, half-humanoid creatures uh, so special.
2: Yeah, so the proper pronunciation of the creature's name is Noel, which is <laughs> not a good Noel. Silent. Yes.
0: Do not listen to yes. me or my stupid dad
2: jokes. And uh, uh, noels f- uh, have appeared since the earliest editions of uh, Dungeons and Dragons. Um, and uh, they were in the D&D White Box, which was published in 1974. That's where they made their premiere and were then picked up for the first edition monster manual. And they are one of many evil humanoid races that populate the game and our game worlds.
0: Do Knolls have a, uh, you know, kind of a historical background as far as like the human history of um <laughs> of our world, uh, uh, you know, is, is there like fairy stories around knolls? As a
2: matter of fact, there is. And uh, in in doing some research, uh, some information from Wikipedia, which is really interesting, is uh, that there's a creature described as the knoll that first appeared in Lord Dunsany's 1912 story, How Knuth would have practiced his art upon the knolls, um, and reappeared in Margaret St Clair's The Man Who Sold Rope to the Knolls. Uh, Without going into too much detail, um, it, is, it is said in, in the Wikipedia article that it's the literary, uh, Gary Gygax's gnoll is the literary descendant of Lord Dunsany's gnolls uh, um, who were uh, these clever, evil, non-human creatures. Mm-hmm. Um, now, <laughs> in the white box, they were described as a cross between gnomes and trolls. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Which is weird. That is weird
0: because that's not how I picture them at all.
2: Really? Mm -hmm. Yep. Uh, Yeah, exactly. And in fact, uh, by the time they made it with an illustration in the monster manual, uh, they don't really resemble either. I see. Um, They are. They are, as they have appeared since, more or less, tall, bipedal, uh, slightly taller than human, like about six, six and a half, seven foot tall. Humanoids with shaggy fur and hyena heads. Hmm. And they've pretty much been that way through every edition consistently. We haven't uh, changed their looks dramatically, except to make the hyena head a little bit more hyena-like hmm. um, in certain editions. Uh, we have certainly gone to town on, in developing their story. Right.
0: So where did they... Wh- what was the story of the original kind of idea of, of where Knowles came from?
2: Um, so... In, the, in their original form, they were simply described as uh, evil humanoids who followed a demon lord named Yinogu. And that's really all we knew about them. Oh. And if you sort of track their use in adventures over the years, um, early on it didn't seem like we really leveraged or took advantage of that sort of demonic aspect. Of right. them. they were basically used interchangeably with hobgoblins and orcs and and those kinds of races. They were just if more you, like a bestial bad guy. Exactly, you could just drop in, right? Whenever. Yeah, just wild bad guys you can throw in, and you just fight them, and you don't feel bad for killing them. <laughs> right, um, but in in later editions, uh, we we went back to this original tie to the god to the demon lord, sorry, Yenoku, and said, okay, let's make these guys truly fiendish, demonic like. Mm-hmm. Creatures, if they if they worship a demon, they're going to be chaotic, evil, violent, vicious, cru- un- unnaturally cruel um, marauders. Mm-hmm. And uh, in 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 fifth edition, uh, we sort of really kind of ran with that concept and said, uh, you know, hobgoblins will march on a town and subjugate it like the tyrants that they are. Orcs, who are brutal savages, will um, run roughshod over a town, loot it, and then move on and go back into the mountains with their bounty. Right. Um, Gnolls will skin you alive and wear your ribcage for a hat um, and burn the town to the ground uh, and move on.
0: Right. Well, and then the previous two hobgoblins and orcs do those things for resources, for in order yes. to feed their young, yeah. ostensibly, you right. know, for, for 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 you know uh, reasons that a society would do such things. But the right. gnolls do it for the pure joy. Of, yeah, knolls are
2: and gnolls killing. are like a wildfire. They're just sort of this out of control, rampaging force that won't stop until you kill them all. Really, mm-hmm. and they don't. Uh, unlike orcs who live in mountain caves and occasionally take over crumbling strongholds. And unlike hobgoblins who are masters of industry and build strongholds and take over towns and have bulwarks and fortifications and uh, um, organized legions, gnolls don't really have lairs to speak of. Their lair is wherever they happen to be at that moment, and they just move from one place to another um, in packs. Now, one of the newest ideas about gnolls, something that's not present in their original D&D lore, is the way in which they are spawned. Mm. um and uh the the current story is thus that periodically yenoku escapes from the abyss and rampages across the world and any humanoid that he massacres any humanoid that he kills uh he leaves the sort of bloody smashed up corpse in his wake and the packs of hyenas that follow him feast on that corpse and when they do they transform into gnolls the, the hyenas The themselves. hyenas do. So uh, uh, the story we run with is that gnolls are actually transformed hyenas, uh, given a monstrous form resembling that of their demonic lord.
0: So some of the dem- demonic you know, uh, power or saliva even yes, that, that exactly. Unoga leaves behind, yes, infects them. Yes, precisely,
2: exactly. That's cool. I like that um, idea. And there are gnolls. Um, called uh, the fangs of yinoku who are gifted with the power to do very much the same thing that uh, they can uh, through their kills um, offer up corpses to hyenas which then transform into gnolls Mm -hmm. which is why if you want to make sure if you want to stop a pack of gnolls it is very important that you kill the fang or fangs of yinoku otherwise they can just make more right or kill all the hyenas or kill all the hyenas exactly, and a knoll pack is almost always accompanied by a large number of hyenas, usually about as many hyenas as there are gnolls.
0: Yeah, so it's almost like they're they camp followers in a way. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes, in that
2: they uh, uh, that's where they
0: spawn new. Yep. Creepy. All right. So why why hyenas? What is it about Unogu's connection to hyenas uh, that uh, you know makes this powerful?
2: Um. I think that, um, there's something about the nature of the, the pack mentality of the hyena that, you know, the way they gang up on creatures that is sort of suggestive of how demons behave, Mm -hmm. um, that these aren't domesticatable creatures. They're not like hounds or other dogs. Um, you, you can't trust a hyena. Uh, it's, it's pretty shifty. and in this case, we're just sort of taking that literally mm-hmm. and, and saying, yeah, well, this thing can, this thing is basically, um, but part of it has to do with the, the way, you was depicted early on in, in the monster manual. He looked like a big hyena demon man, basically. Right. Uh, and so, um, hyenas and him have always sort of been associated with one another.
0: Interesting. Uh, Okay, so, um, and and a lot of this information is in Volo's Guide to Monsters.
2: Yes, the gnolls get extensive treatment in the book. Uh, We not only talk about the ecology behavior of of gnolls in general, and their relationship with inoku and with hyenas, uh, we also talk about uh, some different kinds of gnolls and uh, demons that associate with gnolls or are often encountered with gnolls hmm. um, one of them one of the demons is a Shusava, which was uh, originated in a dragon magazine article written by roger moore in 1982 um, they're basically like hyena demons um, big monstrous quadrupedal beasts who will sometimes associate and help knoll packs in their murder rampage but in,
0: diff- like in a different way than the
2: fangs of Yinoku do? Or? Yeah, the, these demons are basically just brutes. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, they exist more on the abyss.
2: Exactly, yeah. The, and they're often gifted to powerful gnolls by Yinoku. It's like, here's a pet um, <laughs> that, that sort of models your your needs and behavior. Um, but the original fiend folio um, uh, that uh, released in 1981 had a knoll offshoot in it too called a flind. What's Uh, a flind? A flind is a more intelligent version of the common gnoll. And uh, it survives in uh, Volo's Guide to Monsters as a sort of gnoll variant Mm. um, that can often lead a pack. uh, And they are very dangerous. Um,
0: Can they uh, become spellcasters?
2: uh, They don't typically become spellcasters, but they tend to be uh, much more... uh, much better fighters Mm. than typical gnolls. Better at tactics. Yes. Uh, uh, And in the Fiend Folio, they had a specific weapon called a flind bar, which was like a a three-part staff held together with chains, Mm. um, almost like a uh, nunchucks or something like that. Interesting. Uh, In in Volo's Guide to Monsters, um, Mike Merles had the idea of... Keeping the idea of three, for some reason, that seemed like an interesting idea, but then uh, having giving them a weapon like the three-headed flail of mm. Inoku to even bring them closer to Inoku. And so they wield these terrible three-headed flails, and depending on the number of flail heads you're hit by, bad things can happen to you. Uh, very interesting little mechanical uh, Connect- idea, con- connection.
0: Right, right. I like that too. And a lot of... Uh, 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 Unoku was fleshed out in Out of the Abyss as well. Yes,
2: yeah. In fact, uh, that we statted up Unoku in Out of the Abyss because he makes an appearance there. Um, it's one of the worst
0: wand- wandering monster encounters ever. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yes, you walk into a cave and there's a demon lord. Oh,
0: <laughs>
2: run away! Run away!
0: Yes. Yep. Uh, cool. Uh, so, how do you think uh, uh, some Dungeon Masters will be able to use Knowles uh, in their in their campaign world?
2: Gnolls are just a good wandering wilderness threat. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, as, as we said at the beginning, you don't feel sad about killing gnolls. They are just rampaging heathens. Um, what's interesting uh, is that they will sometimes join forces with non knolls who worship demons or, yinoku specifically mm-hmm. like there, there could be a human cult uh, operating in the wilderness and maybe have a t- hidden temple or or lair to Yinoku and have gnolls essentially as a force of destruction that they can unleash upon nearby lands and nearby settlements to cause all sorts of havoc. And so you can kind of bring gnolls into a a story where they're playing nice with some creatures that they wouldn't otherwise associate with. Um, And these cultists are crazy, of course. They're just completely off their nut. Uh, Bringing about the end of the world. Exactly. And uh, one of the things we did in Out of the Abyss with gnolls uh, that you encounter in the Underdark is that uh, they all might be touched with different kinds of madness. Um, because demon lords, are they propagate madness. And mm-hmm. so you can meet gnolls who are just unusual by virtue of the fact that they have been tainted by insanity. And so they don't behave like their gnoll brethren.
0: Is there any chance at uh,
2: the redemption of a knoll? Oh, that's, uh, that's pretty remote. Um, we, we don't play with the idea too much that gnolls are good guys. Even at their best, they're pretty bad.
0: Mm. But if they were, uh, I guess they were transformed hyenas. Yeah. So there was no uh, uh, chance that they could revert back. To high uh, uniform.
2: No, their transformation is permanent, and actually, we we do say that specifically. Is that there's really nothing that can undo what's created a knoll. Um, so terrible are they. Mm, interesting.
0: All right. Well, I'm sure I just opened up the door for
2: someone to be like, I want to play as a, a a knoll. You know, people can do that, um, <laughs> but I won't feel bad if you know their party turns on them. <laughs> <laughs>
0: All right, party. You've got a, a recommendation from Chris Perkins himself. <laughs> All right. All right. Thanks, Chris. You're welcome. All right. Cheerio. Bye-bye. Uh, all right. So, yeah, that was amazing. I love talking to Matt and Chris. Uh, they drop lore bombs into my brain pan.
1: <laughs> people so, love the lore you should know, I guess. I know.
0: So people said we should make an entire podcast about that, but... Um, you know, I, I like it being like I I I think there's, there's be, so much lore. There's so nice much. To just do little nuggets yeah, of it. Maybe we, yeah, I like little nuggets because yeah. then it gets you like little taste. Lore nuggets. Go look it up and, and learn about it uh, another way. So, mm-hmm. uh, so yeah, let's get to our guest. We're gonna call up Ben Quiller on the Skypes and uh, we shall talk about Dungeons and Dragons.
3: Cool. Yo! Oh, there <laughs> it is. <laughs> I got you guys. And i you guys are talking through some nice microphone. Well, that. it's
0: all Ryan. It is, Ryan is, makes us mean, sound good. I mean...
3: Good job, Ryan.
0: <laughs>
2: hey, no problem. Make...
1: <laughs> Aw, nobody ever talks to Ryan about this stuff. That's so exciting. Nobody cares like, about me. I know. Aw.
3: Well, I'm here for you, bro. Thanks, pal.
0: Uh, so we have a very special guest joining us today, Mr. Ben Queller. Hello.
3: Hello, hello. Hi, Ben. Hi.
0: So, uh, uh, you know me, but my co host is uh, Shelly Mazzanobel.
3: You
1: and Ben are like best friends. (laughs) I know from all of our phone (laughs) conversations and dozens
0: of emails back and forth.
3: We share our New York uh, area code cell
0: phones too. That's right. When that 347 number came in, I was like, I'm
3: pretty sure this is
0: uh, who I think it is. And it was. (laughs) Where are you in New York?
3: Well, I'm not in New York. That's the problem. <laughs> I, uh, I and I haven't been in New York for almost ten years. Um, I'm I live in Austin, Texas, oh. but I still have my three-four step. Yep, I, I would know. hold on
1: to the two o six as long as I could.
3: There you go. Yeah, I catch it.
0: We're talking to you about uh, your—I mean, of course, you're, you've got a storied music career, but most importantly, we wanted to talk because this is a Dungeons and Dragons-focused podcast about your love of D and D, which I was so happy to find out from uh, my colleague Liz shoe that you were—you
3: were really into it. Yes, I am, and I have been uh, ever since I discovered D and D when I was a wee lad in Greenville, Texas, where I grew up, small town. Mm-hmm. Um, and the local Hastings book Aww. and record and tape shop. Um, and I found Dungeons & Dragons books and uh, used to just go sit in that aisle and just read books all the time. So nice. um, you I, discovered
0: I, it on your own just going into a store? You didn't have anybody... Uh, there was
3: uh, there was it? a kid... I See, I, yeah, there was a kid in my neighborhood named Casey who told me about D&D... Um, and we used to draw pictures of what we thought like different D&D characters would be. And uh, but then I found the, the section of books and it really opened up my eyes. Um, but Casey moved away. And so we never played together. And unfortunately, the thing about my small town is no one else really knew about Dungeons mm. and Dragons. And so I didn't have anybody to play with. So I pretty much just read by myself. That and uh, cool. and kind of dreamed of playing. It's kind of oh, a sad Dungeons and Dragons is. upbringing. I know, <laughs> a solo practitioner. Yeah, but and, I think oh. I think that was
0: common, you know, yeah. uh, uh, in the early days uh, of Dungeons and Dragons, because you know it wasn't it wasn't quite so mainstream. There wasn't not you know every town, every community didn't have built-in groups or game stores where people could go to. So I had a similar thing where I went to the library. Our public library had a few books. Yeah. One of them was deities and demigods and I remember just going really? in there and like pouring over that yes. one copy
1: ooh if your parents knew what you were doing know, in the library it so bad it was big bad. trouble so when this Casey told you about D&D I'm just having this vision because you guys never played together you said no so he just came to you and told you I know about this thing
3: yeah, what did he tell thing, you about it? Well, he just said there's this thing called Dungeons and Dragons, and it's really cool. And, you, you know, you can be, like, whatever kind of character you want, like a fighter or an elf, uh, you know, a human or a dwarf. And you can cast spells. And, but it's kind of like a choose-your-own-adventure situation where the story just morphs and evolves. And, you know, so we got, I was always really into drawing And so that was kind of what we did was we just drew tons of pictures. But he also told me about dexterity and wisdom and, like, there are these different attributes, you know, Mm -hmm. that each person, each character has. And um, so we would just kind of make up characters. We would draw them and sort of just write down what their attributes were. We didn't have dice or anything. Like, I didn't see multi-sided dice until, you know, years later Um, because they didn't even have dice at at Hastings actually now that I think about it.
0: Oh really? They just had so the
3: books. They just had the books.
0: Yeah. So and when then, did you start well, actually getting down to to play?
3: So then uh there was a cool comic book store that opened up mm. and uh they would play but I more watched because that was already kind of like the, the owners and their friends were like this built-in scene that clearly had been playing out of someone's house for a long time. Right. And I was still pretty young, you know, like maybe 11 or 12 years old. Um, so I was a little intimidated because they were all older. Yeah. Um, but I would watch them. And then um, I played my first game at summer camp. Um, during like some free time there was this really cool kid with like jet black hair who had like a backpack that weighed 100 pounds he was and the dungeon master he was totally the dungeon <laughs> master and he had remember those really rad AD&D books that were like kind of maroon faux leather yeah like, i remember those yeah, kind ones of thin. For, like, thief's handbook and the Provider's the yes, yes, handbook yes exactly he yeah. had every one of those so i was so into that um, you know And so, yeah, so that was really cool. That was cool. Yeah, so we played. um, And then, you know, so then music really started taking over my life. And uh, fast forward, you know, 10 or so years, when you're you're a songwriter, you have to come up with an entity for your publishing company. That's just sort of common practice in the music industry. Mm -hmm. So um, I decided... Uh, to name my publishing company 12-Sided Die. And so um, our friend Liz Shu at Wizards, <laughs> I one day got this random letter in the mail And And it was, well, yeah, it was maybe an email, maybe an email. Maybe I'm just making this sound better for the podcast. It
0: was a storied parchment that was delivered by an owl.
3: (laughs) With a wax stamp. (laughs) That
1: sounds more like it.
3: Um, So anyway, I got this correspondence from... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I said, Liz Shu, and she said, "Hey, I'm a big fan of your record, and I, because I, at that time it was my debut album, Shasha had right. come out, so this was like 2002, I guess." And she said, "I couldn't help but notice that the publishing company is called Twelve Sided Die. Do you, by chance, play Dungeons mm-hmm. and Dragons?"
1: Secret handshake. And I love
3: it. I wrote. I wrote back and I was like, "Totally, I, I love D and D, even though I had only played a few times." Mm-hmm. But again, I have tons of books. I'm kind of obsessed, and so she said, "I'm going to send you out a package, you know, of some goodies." And so on tour, we got a box of like the latest stuff, and so then on days off, me and the band and the crew would hold epic you know, games in like the days in or wherever we were staying for our day off. And so I started playing more as an adult, which was really fun. That's
0: badass. So did you guys do uh, uh, like modules or was it more homebrew
3: type stuff? It was more homebrewed or, well, yeah, kind of a a mixture. We would Mm -hmm. would start off with, you know, like a a small adventure and kind of go from there. Who was the Dungeon Master? It was Brian, uh, our sound guy. Audio engineer. Oh, Hats huh. off to the yeah, sound guys. Yeah, sound guys. Totally, totally. Um, and cool. then, yeah. So. Did he play? Uh, yeah, uh, the other. Did he have history ahead of time as well? Yes, yes. Yeah, yeah. he knew what he was doing. So that was cool. Um, now, at the th-
1: time, did they know, did you know that there was other D&D people amongst you? Or was it not until you opened the box that people started outing That's themselves?
3: A- that's a good question. Um, I I think it might have been when we opened the box that Brian really I, I could have pegged him as an expert of Dungeons and Dragons. He was so smart, and yeah. so um, you know. But uh, yeah, once once we opened the box, he was like, "Well, I can be the DM because you know I have lots of experience." Nice. So, nice. And, yeah. and he's
0: good at doling out experience uh, right as yes a yes I
3: yeah. love
1: the idea of this band on tour mm-hmm. and then when they're not playing on stage in front of screaming fans they're in a days in playing D&D <laughs> yeah <laughs> I right? love that yes. oh yeah it's exactly how I would totally. picture life on the road
0: right not what? the you know flogging no. of people with sharks uh... <laughs> <laughs>
1: right yeah <laughs> nope
0: nope we're just doing that in our imaginations
1: yeah Exactly. <laughs> this is this is what really happens, kids.
0: Yep. Yeah, Lots of D D. It's all glamour on the road.
3: Yep. <laughs> that's it.
0: Well, I'm sure there was at least some inebriance uh, going on during those days off.
3: There were. Good. There were.
0: You really you need to preserve yeah. that rock star image a little bit.
3: Oh yes, of course.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so uh what kind of character did you play during those sessions? Were you uh
3: I've always been really drawn to the half elf. Um I like the, the the backstory that my mother is full-blooded elf, my father is a human, hmm. um, and uh, yeah, and I've toyed with different kind of iterations of that, but I like the half elf. I like you know the improved vision at night, um, and. Uh, the slightly pointed ears, but not overly pointed. Good look.
0: Yeah, you can blend um, in in both mm-hmm,
3: communities mm-hmm. if you need it to. Yes, exactly, exactly. Kind of a diplomatic character, you know? So, yeah, um, yeah I've always liked that, the half-elf.
0: That was my first, yep. like, majorly long, uh, long-running long campaign was I, I played a half-elf too, except my lineage was different. I had a full-blooded father who was an elf. And my mother was human. That's not realistic. Oh, no. yeah. <laughs> that is not realistic. You don't <laughs> think so? No. no. Oh.
1: no. I, the way Ben has it is. <laughs> <way he> <laughs> a, yes.
0: It's a more uh, can- canonically correct. <laughs> yeah. Thanks, yeah. Ah. Speaking as a woman. <laughs> Come
1: on. There you go. <laughs> 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 this makes sense now. Right? Yeah. I feel like elven men would just be a little too slight for me. I'm like a rather hardy right. female.
3: Right. <laughs>
0: Right. <laughs> I feel like we're getting into the psyche of, uh, of Shelley's. We <laughs> but, are. Yeah. This is
1: why we do the show. Exactly.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so did you guys ever, uh, you know, use some of the stuff uh, that happened in the game uh, on stage? Or, you know, did you ever? I mean, I'm, I've listened to a bunch of uh, your records, but I never really, you know, I, I, after I found out from Liz, I was like, oh, I wonder if there's any references that I missed. But they don't seem to really filter in too much.
3: <laughs> well, um, not necessarily. Well, okay. So there was before I became a solo artist. I had a band called Radish, mm-hmm. and we were sort of like a. We called our music sugar metal. So it's kind of right. like this post-grunge pop, like the monkeys with distortion pedals kind of thing. Right. Um. And we did have this song called "The You and Me," and uh, it uh, the opening line is "I like to play D and D." And watch the Spanish channel on TV. Um, and so that's the only time I've, I think I've straight up referenced D&D, Um And that was when I was 16. Still in the phase of actually, I wasn't really quite playing DD, but I put it in a song because I felt like I was. Um, <laughs> you were playing in your own way. Um, yeah. Um, you know, but I gotta say, like at the same time of sitting, you know, in the Dungeons and Dragons section of Hastings. That was also near the new age section, and so I also simultaneously got really into, you know, nature magic, like real magic, white magic, mm. Wicca, um, like learning about paganism and witchcraft and things like that. Um, always white magic, um, <laughs> and, and you know, tarot and astrology. So a lot of that, like metaphysical stuff. I've really gravitated to that and spirituality and things, you know, and the way nature, the laws of nature work. Um, And so that stuff really has kind of entered into, you know, more than one song. Um, You know, they're like, light my white candle, keep me safe, kind of that's a lyric from a song called Make It Up, Mm -hmm. which is on the Shasha album. Um, But yeah, different references, you know, karma, basic things like that.
0: What about uh, on stage? Did you guys ever uh, you know, reference the last night's game or something like that on stage <laughs> with each other?
3: I, man, I wouldn't be. I don't remember a, a moment straight up, but I'm sure that's something we would have talked about. Like, <laughs> yeah, totally. Seems I'm sure. Like
0: yeah. I, so, w- I was at a, uh, uh, I think it was at the Southpaw in Brooklyn. I think I saw oh, you, uh, yeah. when you when you were doing uh, each individual album.
3: Yeah, totally.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's where I met. That's where I uh, first got introduced to Tim Fight too. Did you? Did you? Oh, so were you like roommates you... with him? Is that how that?
3: No, we were just really great friends mm-hmm. in Brooklyn. Um, he had a really cool hip hop group called Little T and One Track Mike, and we used to play a bunch of shows together. And then he went solo, became Tim Fight. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I've just always loved him. He's just a close friend, an amazing visual artist as well.
0: Yeah, he, yeah, that show introduced me to him, so I've been kind of following his career a little bit, too. Nice. Uh, did, always, you
1: guys, always... did you guys know did each you other? You and Ben? ben? No, we just,
0: no. Brooklyn you, oh, shared okay. heritage. Okay, so you haven't met yes.
3: at all. We were in the same room, is what he's yeah. saying. Who yeah, would've, who would have thought? Yeah, well, he was Here playing music, are, and he was playing it. Too you would mean. be
1: interviewing him on the D and D podcast. I know, right? That's so, crazy.
3: Hey, hey.
0: I miss I miss that venue though. I haven't I haven't been back to uh, you know Park Slope in a while. But that Southpaw venue, I, mean, I had buddies that went through there, uh, and uh, you know played with their bands and smaller things. I thought they might be giants there a bunch of times. I miss it. it it's oh. closed down.
3: Oh yeah. So sad. So I hate it. sad.
0: Much like, uh, you know, Hastings closing down. (laughs) I know. Yes,
3: exactly.
0: Those
1: were the best stores. You could do everything. Yeah. Yeah. I know. Music, books. Yeah. Anyway, so while D&D maybe hasn't verbally influenced your your music, has it in some way influenced your professional career? You feel like playing D&D or reading about D&D has made you feel more creative or... Oh, I would in some say ways. so.
3: Yeah, I would say so. Um, it's totally, you know, a, a mind-opening uh, thing to get into. Um, and, yeah, just, just to learn that, you know, different actions have reactions. And, uh, yeah, you, you can learn a lot from playing a game of Dungeons and & Dragons. And so, yeah, it's probably, it probably has affected me in lots of ways. Expands the vocabulary too. Yes, that it does. One thing. for sure. I always yes. try to... my, my my piano dexterity is on point. <laughs> <laughs> and, I,
0: and you actually have a, you have a word for it now. You're like, all right, yeah, I definitely have an 18 dexterity for my for, yes. my, for, my, <laughs> for my digits. Exactly.
1: <laughs> stalagmites. I mean, I would never have said stalagmites probably ever. I know. If not for D and D, there you go. Yeah. You know yeah. the um, yes, you know the, the difference it? between stalagmite <laughs> and stalactite. Stalactites, you know? stalactites hold Tight, so they're the ones above to the to the ceiling. ceiling. Yes, right? and yeah. the stalagmites.
3: D too. <laughs> the stalagmites might grow up to the ceiling. Oh, that's the mnemonic. Okay. That's it good. Just might they just must. <laughs> I, I think that could be of, a song. It's one of those, though, that kind of, it's kind of like beer before liquor, never cigarette, because yeah. you could say beer after liquor, and yep. you, it's confusing, because you could say stalactites are tight to the floor, and mites might grow down to the floor. Right, like it, right. It doesn't help you very much.
1: And you're but. usually trying to do that beer one, like, while you're drinking, and then it's just really confusing. <laughs> wait, exactly. wait, 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 wait. Should I have had this first? Oh. First after the- <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> Remember that. That was the wrong way.
0: Uh so you're uh you're a father. You mentioned uh, uh yes. you're getting your kids all all you know situated after school. Um do you ever think about, you know, playing D&D with them? Is that something that they'd be interested
3: well, in? we have and nice. that's kind of how my my uh in the past few years um they've really gotten into it and so now I'm the dungeon master. Um and yeah. They play, and we had one really epic game where we brought in a dungeon master. I actually went so far as I posted uh, an ad on Craigslist in Austin, like seeking dungeon master, and explained mm. like father yeah. of like you know two Be kids careful. like want to play. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> my Be wife, Be my wife was like, out. "What are you doing? That's kind of messed up." Misconnections.
0: Um, we saw you uh, but, playing D anD. D
3: Yeah, I got one response. And it was some dude that wrote, Bill, is that you? <laughs> <laughs> like some other dad desperately looking for a dungeon mask. Oh it's really so hilarious. Cute. Um, but uh, so, Dorian, our 10 year old, his godfather is a singer named Adam Green, actually in New York, who had a band called the Moldy Peaches. And Adam's brother, Joel Green, who is an amazing astrophysicist in real life, um, worked at UT here in Austin for many years and recently moved to Baltimore, which we're all really sad about. But Joel is full-on Dungeon Master Man, and so he came over for a game that we organized with my two boys and two other kids and their dad, and Joel was our bona fide Dungeon Master, and it was like the best game ever. And it's just so fun to see these kids, you know, they're like, between the ages of six and 10 and just the way you can see their minds working to figure out problems and like the answers that they would come up with were just so cool and outside of the box and, um, you know, just different ways to deal with these issues. It was cool.
0: That is cool. Um, I might have a dungeon master for you in Austin. Uh, no. Griffin what? McElroy, who we've <gasps> talked to on the podcast before. Austin? He lives in Austin.
1: Okay, now that would be the most yeah. funny. Level.
0: He's a guy, he, he's in a uh, uh, podcast called uh, My Brother, My Brother, and Me uh, with his two brothers. Um, very popular was referenced in uh, Hamilton Lin Manuel Miranda actually listens what? to it and ha- referenced it in Hamilton uh but he a- on a- also has a podcast called Adventure Zone that he's been running with his uh, uh, his brothers and his dad and his actually dad is playing hysterical. uh Dungeons oh. and Dragons and he lives in Austin you should totally look him up I'll, I can even Oh my okay connect us please yeah. so I think he would. I think he would uh, jump at the chance. It seems pretty cool. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. So that way you don't have to worry. So, do you not like dungeon mastering? Is that why you were looking for for someone else to well, kind that's, of come
3: in? so. As someone who's always been the one with all the books, I have fallen. You know, outside of the time at summer camp and on tour with Brian, the sound engineer, mm-hmm. I've been the one that's always like, "Hey, do you want to play D and D with me?" And so inherently, you have to be the dungeon master when you're usually in that situation. You totally. know. Um, but I, I I just I crave just being a player because that's, you know, some people really love DMing and, and it really can be fun. I like that, too. But sometimes you just want to lay back and let the story unfold. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: You know, because, else. you know, you're you're in your professional life. You kind of have to be the front man and, and, and you know, that you focus of attention. Probably. And then, now yeah. who
2: are we psychoanalyzing?
3: Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's probably what it is. Good one, Tito. you the boss. I don't want to. Yeah, I just want to be one of the guys. (laughs) Yeah, man, totally. So,
1: what characters were your kids drawn
3: to? Well, um, they like elves. Uh, Nice. I don't have family. Mm -hmm. (laughs) We like elves. I like elves too. I but but Judah, um, my six-year-old, he does have a dwarf character, just your stereotypical huge. Big, wide dwarf, you know, with a battle axe, because he does—he does like that. Dorian's definitely more elfy. I think he's full-blooded elf, <laughs> straight up.
0: Well, with a name like Dorian, I feel like you know, based on his namesake yeah. alone, that makes sense.
3: Yeah, right. And
0: Judah, the dwarf, they're actually kind of that,
3: yeah, that does work. Yeah.
0: yeah, is it that
3: does that follow their their personalities out of the game too? It kind of does, yeah, it does. Like, uh, Judah's kind of more of a brute and doing <laughs> a little more sensitive and, you know, got that elvish like kind of thing. Know. Yeah, It is totally like
0: yeah. In my case. yeah.
1: It's Fiona funny. would be a dwarf.
0: I She'd be more like a uh, uh, tiefling.
1: <laughs> okay, I can see that. <laughs> she's got
0: like a totally a devil streak in her. <laughs> Maybe that's just because she's, she's three. Uh-huh. And
1: uh, uh, <laughs> all three-year-olds go through the tiefling phase. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's awesome.
0: We should chart that, mo- you know, that like progression <gasps> of should. growing up and what uh, d and character yes. or race they end up yep. being. Uh, <laughs> that's amazing. Oh, so yeah. are, your, are your kids also getting into, uh, you know, uh, other fantasy stuff? Uh, is it, do you feel like that's, you know, something that is more mainstream and accepted now? Uh, I uh, yeah, it
3: definitely, you know, Definitely a lot more mainstream, you know, from what I see, you know, the stuff they play with and uh, are hearing about at school. Um, the new thing that Dorian's super into is anime and manga. Like, he just discovered that. He, too, loves to draw, so he's really obsessed with, like, doing anime, more Japanese animation stuff. And uh, But the fantasy stuff, for sure. I mean, he also loves to play Magic the Gathering. Nice. Um, so we've been playing that a lot lately. Um, that's something that's easier to pick up and just play a few games and... Than... Yeah, exactly. Does he um, dig
0: the art on all those cards as well? For sure, for sure. Is he a, uh, or, or even you, are you a, like a doodler at the table? Do you like draw the scenes of what's happening or your characters Ooh, as you're playing? No, no, oh, really? I didn't
3: know that was a. I didn't know that was a
0: thing. Yeah, I'm. I'm I mean, I, whenever I play with people who are of the artist persuasion, I feel like, you know, that's what they spend most of their time doing is kind of just like dramatizing what's happening. And then I'll be like, hey, that's hey
1: awesome. I want to go to that's you.
0: What's happening? And he's like, oh, I'm sorry. I was just drawing. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, that's cool. That's a cool way to remember your game.
0: Yeah, that's what I love about it is yeah. that it almost ends up being, if they, you know, if they're prolific enough, it ends up being like a notebook full yeah. of little vignettes and scenes from <laughs> what, cool. what happened in the game.
1: I like that. So, Ben, do you ever make it to any conventions or shows? Because isn't PAX South? Is that in Austin?
0: It's not in Austin. It's in San Antonio. Oh, okay. In the same area.
3: There's Rooster Teeth experiences down there. Oh, yeah. Hmm. No, so no, I have not, but I would love to. Okay, well,
1: don't plan any tour dates in January.
3: (laughs) Okay. I have nothing in January.
1: All right. Your kids would love it. Your 10-year-old would love PAX.
3: Especially. Ooh, they both. Would. All right, yeah. we got it. Is that is that a gaming? Is it a D and D only? What's no? The...
1: It's full on gaming, all gaming. Lots of digital gaming, but there's awesome. also D and D has a presence there. Magic has a presence there. Yeah, awesome. it's like a big, giant four day festival of gaming.
0: Yeah, and instead of going into a, a single room of people playing D and D, you're going into a room with. Hundreds of people all sitting at tables, uh, imagining. It's kind of amazing when you think about, like, mm-hmm. oh my gosh, there's probably like 40 different shards of reality happening in this one yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah.
3: I gotta go. Yeah.
0: Are you guys coming down for
3: that? Any of you?
0: We are. I don't think we are. Uh, but uh, we're uh, thinking about other events that we'll be going to uh, coming okay. up. And definitely Texas is one uh, in general, uh, you know, because I know it's oh. such a small state that we're just gonna go to. <laughs>
3: Yes, exactly. Yeah. For like a day. For like on,
0: a day, man. we're yeah. just gonna tour We'll just Texas. be there in a day. <laughs> hit a bunch
1: totally. of hit a bunch of cities.
0: So, yeah. Nice. That's cool. So, um, I uh, do, do you find uh, that you know next time you go on tour, you're gonna kind of make it a mandatory thing to be like, hey, everybody, you know, as far when we start, let's start our characters and we'll run a campaign,
3: uh, you know, traveling around the world. Well, I think it might have to. I think that's a good idea.
1: Yeah. Maybe wear yeah. costumes.
3: For sure, <laughs> and maybe the encore we just play around. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah.
1: Well, would you yeah. ever do any live streaming games? I mean, have you noticed that a lot of people are doing this now? No. Yeah.
3: I'm a little That's... out of touch with this stuff. So yeah, I uh, I like that idea. Just set up a webcam and go for it. Yeah. Yeah. It's
1: very yeah. popular.
3: All right, I'm in. Because I definitely know. You know, my my kids have showed me all these. There's all these YouTube you know gamers like that are doing minecraft that's mm-hmm. the whole thing they're sort of obsessed with so let's yeah. take it analog and play D, man yeah
0: we could totally do that we'll definitely set that up uh, yeah and then twitch is a thing uh where uh you know it's mostly based around digital gaming right now but there's more and more tabletop stuff that's being stuff. played uh mm. so oh. uh yeah i don't know if, one show if you want to go check out his critical role I uh, okay. stream on every Thursday uh, on Twitch, but it's definitely—I uh, think you dig it. It's—it's it's a whole bunch of voice actors um, who, in awesome. Hollywood uh, playing Dungeons and Dragons, so they—they they bring that performance level awesome. to it, which uh, you know awesome. your normal D&D game doesn't have that amount of uh, voice talent chops. I like that. But they Good. do it—they do it up. Yes. It's cool, and maybe you'll—maybe you could show up as the bard.
3: Yeah, yes go. i will <laughs> dun, 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 dun.
0: have you ever played a bard
3: have you ever gone into someone who actually you No, know, I've, I've thought about it i've considered it um but i've always with because i've usually played with really small parties of mm-hmm. characters so it seems a little underpowered but maybe i'm underestimating the powers of the bard you'll have to tell me I, I,
0: I personally think the new edition uh, of the Bard uh, is makes him the most versatile and uh, able to do. I mean, they're able to do a whole bunch of stuff. That was always their their shtick was that they're jack of all trades. Uh, but yeah. now they have stuff where they, they, they do all that, but then they also can be super effective uh, in dealing with stuff. My favorite is they have a ability that's a, it's an at will, so you can do it like whenever you want. It's called Ooh. Vicious Mockery, ah. and you're basically... Ooh. I love the flavor of it. You're basically insulting the monster so bad that they take <laughs> damage. They take psychic damage from it.
3: Whoa! <laughs> I love that. So <laughs> when I'm when I'm
0: DMing that, I always make sure that the player who's casting that spell tries to come up with some you know zing or or something to yes. so make them make them feel bad. They're awesome. not always you know they're not always great, but when they do, are spot on. It's like yes, of course you do psychic damage. I feel hurt by you saying that. <laughs> i love that yeah it's fun
3: well that's my new character for the next tour so done what do you uh so yeah what are you working on now are you uh, well right now i'm off the road uh writing my new album i have about 40 songs done and i'm just sort of figuring out which direction i want to go because when you write for me like you know I don't always, I'm not always able to control what kind of song I, I write. So, you know, like a rock song, song might pop out or a folky song or a country song or like this crazy punk rock thing or a pop thing. Mm-hmm. So I just write, write, write. And uh, so I'm up to 40 tunes, which when I put into three different buckets, you know, like there's, I could make like three different types of albums. Mm. Um, so I'm just trying to figure out, where I'm where my heart's really leaning. And so I'll probably write a few more. Um, and I'm actually I'm playing a show this weekend in Marfa, Texas, which is a really cool festival called the Trans Picos Festival of Music, Art and Love. Sweet. And uh, it's a really cool little West Texas desert scene. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'm gonna debut a bunch of new tunes. So that'll be a lot of fun. I'm excited okay. about that.
0: Is that stressful? Uh, uh, being like, here's my first you know, <clears throat> public performance of something?
3: A little bit. I'm a little nervous about it, mainly just to remember all the lyrics because <laughs> that's the hardest thing. Because uh, when I write songs, I don't then go and practice them. I usually finish it, do a quick recording of it, and then move on. You know. Um, but now that I've, I've kind of told myself, okay, mm-hmm. we'll just play new songs in Marfa, mm-hmm. um, so I've made a quick set list, and now I've just been running the set. So. That's that's what I'm most nervous about is just kind of messing up the lyrics cuz it's kind of an important part especially <laughs> I'm playing I'm playing solo acoustic so it'll just be oh, one yeah. instrument and my voice
1: No, I feel like that's kind of like being a dungeon master. That like if yeah. you if you mess it up or if you don't remember something, you don't know a rule, you make it up. They don't know it it's up. your song. Nobody's exactly. heard it before. Well, just start going there, la la la. la. <laughs>
3: And now we hit on one of the big ways that Dun- Dungeons and Dragons has affected my See? professional there life. We, go. we knew we could a hey, full ba- circle. Boom. Full circle. Full circle.
1: So, how when you write songs, what do you? Is it the lyrics that come out first? Is it the music? Is it both? Like, how does this work?
3: Most of the time, it's the music. Uh, like, I'll sit at the guitar or the piano and come up with a chord progression or a lick or a riff and. Um, just kind of repeat that over and over. And then I just start singing whatever melody comes to me and sort of m- like stream of consciousness words, you know, kind of gibberish mm-hmm. until something kind of sounds interesting. And then I'll write that down and then kind of go from there. And usually that's how I do it, where it's music and then the, the lyrics fill in the blanks. Um, there have been some times where I've had success like, you know, writing just the lyrics first and then applying the music to it last. Um, probably my favorite song where I did that is a song called On My Way, um, where I I basically wrote that on an airplane, like our first trip to Japan. Um, that's obviously a long flight, yeah. and so I'm on our way back to the U.S., um, I just wrote in my sketchbook the, the lyrics to that and got off the plane and tried to find the music for it. So that was that's probably the, the best example of when I've done it the reverse, but most of the time it is music first and then that informs the lyrics. That's so interesting. Oh, yeah, it is.
1: Yeah. It's fascinating. I just can't wrap my brain around how yeah. writing music <laughs> just doesn't... It's not something I can even imagine. I
0: tried once when I was like 16. I was like, I'm gonna write a song, and I was like, blam blam blam. Okay, I got nothing.
3: <laughs> <laughs> blah, blah, blah. Yeah, it's it's the work of a bard. You must be a bard. Yeah, exactly.
0: <laughs> that's why I like playing a bard because I can live out the fantasy of someone who can do that stuff. Uh-huh.
3: There you go. My D&D is
0: great. Yeah, I'm still hung up on the 40 songs that you're mentioning. It's like 40 songs, and then you, and then you yeah, cut those prolific. down
3: into, you know, the 10 or 12 down. that you would have on an album? Yeah. You, you know, and some songs aren't even songs that I would do, you know. Um, sometimes it, I write a song, and I'm like, ooh, that would be cool for someone else. You know, like I, I tend to write country songs once in a mm-hmm. while. And uh, so like 11 of those 40 are are, like bonafide full on Nashville country songs that then I'll, you know, send off to other artists and stuff that might want to cut them, which is really kind of cool. That is cool. Is that Um, how it works you if you'd be like, hey, I have this song. It seems like it matches. Yeah, that for in Nashville, it does work a lot of times that way. uh, You know, a lot of the artists don't write. And so uh, they're really like full on singers. And so Nashville kind of runs on, like, songwriters and then singers separately. Um, And then in the pop world, too. Um, But then there's, you know, I I like to do co-writes, too. That's always fun, just, like, getting in the room with someone else and and just writing up a tune, especially if it's, like, for them, because then it's really fun because you, at least I like to ask them a bunch of questions, like, okay, like, what's going on in your world right now? And just kind of getting into their headspace. And trying to accommodate that with a song, it's just—I don't know—it's kind of an interesting concept. Yeah. Because um, usually for me, it's just I'm always writing Ben Queller songs. I'm just like talking about my feelings, and you know what I mean. So it's fun to to kind of sit in someone else's shoes, right. especially
0: if they're gonna be singing it. You Get know, in their heads a little bit, and kind of be like, it's like role playing, actually.
3: Yeah. Well, exactly. We'll again. Me. <laughs> <laughs> On.
0: Well, speaking of uh, uh, Nashville and co-writing and uh, you know, collaboration, uh, I want to talk a little bit about your work with Ben Folds. He's been someone that I've you know, followed his career as well, and I love that you two intersected for a little bit there. Yes. What was that like?
3: Yeah. Well, that was amazing. That was, um, I guess that was like in 2003. Mm-hmm. Um, so Shasha had come out, and um, I was friends with Ben Lee, And then he introduced me to Ben Folds, so the three of us would hang out, and uh, I guess some fans of ours got wind that we all three knew each other, and someone on a message board said, you guys should start a super group. And so (laughs) we kind of laughed about that and thought that was funny. And then one day, Folds called me up and said, dude, I've been thinking about that message board comment, and like, we should really do that. So can you and Ben Lee come to Nashville and let's just see what happens? And so we went down there and that was really my first time to really collaborate like for writing songs, like to actually do co-writing. Um, and I think for them too, like I remember us all talking about that like cause we had prior to that only ever really written our own songs for ourselves. Um, and so we didn't know how it would turn out, but we ended up writing – four songs and recording the four songs in three days so it was really creative um and we had this one song called just pretend where we had our verse melody and uh we each wanted to do a verse and so we all kind of went into our own corners and just wrote our own verses without telling each other what they were going to be Mm -hmm. about and then came back to the piano and we just started playing the song and one after another sang our verse and it was just perfect you know it's just one of those fun moments that where it all came together is that what
0: ended Um, up on the uh on the ep
3: yeah that's it so like the verse that we each sing and just pretend are verses that we each wrote on our own you know in our own part of the studio and came back together and just pressed record that is so cool uh yeah
0: that's awesome. Uh, as someone who have been listening to that for a while, it's, it's cool to hear. I didn't realize that it was all just. And well, now of, you
1: have to go back and listen to and it. And now I have to go
0: back and listen to yeah. it again. Yeah. And you guys have a little, you know, on the EP, you guys have a little, you know, crosstalk back and forth. I remember them being like, what is that? That was the extended version or something like that. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> totally. you
2: know,
0: was that this, this somebody had played like another refrain just again? And,
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Something. I don't even remember, but that, I got to go back and listen. Yeah. That's awesome.
0: It seemed like that. So you guys totally captured that like fun, creative, collaborative moment in those in those four recordings. Totally. Yeah, it was really fun. Did you guys do you ever, you know, I mean, I'm totally stretching here, but did you ever uh, find out if they liked to play Dungeons and
3: Dragons at all in that little three days? Hmm. I do not recall any talk of D&D. Maybe they were too shy. Um, they were too... <laughs> 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 possibly. That's true. I, I, Foldsy might... I could see him dabbling in the art of Dungeons and Dragons yeah. at some point um mm. Ben Lee you know he grew up in Australia not sure the presence of D&D in Australia at that time you know when, when, when he was, he was up, yeah yeah exactly Probably more so now uh-huh.
0: but yeah I think uh it might be a little bit totally I love that you guys are referred to each other by last names yeah. well yeah there's yeah, yeah.
3: no other choice it's very confusing <laughs>
0: yeah. yeah for a while yeah. there was uh Two other Gregs working here in the uh, in the area. Greg of, has
1: uh, destroyed them all. Oh, yeah,
0: they're all gone now. But uh, <laughs> but no. I was I was made sure to everyone be like, call me Tito, call me because it doesn't work when you just say yeah. our first names because we're call all both like what Tito anyway. Oh. You have the
1: last name that people just want to say. I anyway. hope so. Tito. 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 See, you're gonna wind up in a song.
3: It's head. <laughs> yeah. Patito uh, head. head. Patito. See.
1: So we need to get you some kind of like a D and t shirt or something that you could just yeah. kind of like wear casually, so people will just come to you and profess. Yeah, Exactly. allegiance. I would
3: love. Yeah, th- I need. Yeah, yeah. Mr. Petito
1: uh, head can hook you up.
3: I will.
0: Will indeed. Yeah,
1: He's the swag master
3: awesome i love it i will wear
0: i promise <laughs> awesome man well it was great uh uh talking to you i feel like we got like a uh, uh you know insight into the creative mind of ben queller which is always yeah. awesome but i feel like we could
1: <laughs> dig into that like, a lot more too
0: i know there's more yeah
3: well, we can always do version two next okay. year you know so
0: yeah, absolutely and uh yeah hopefully yeah. next time you're in uh, in seattle i'll be able to come down and uh, and check out your show
1: We'll come play, we'll play sure. D&D with you. We'll play D&D with you. Yes. Tuedo will be your Let's. DM.
0: That's right.
3: Yeah. I volunteer. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you so much for talking to thank me you. and all you listeners out there. Yeah.
0: Keep gaming up, everybody. Where can, uh, where can they find out the latest stuff uh, about what you're doing? And- well,
3: yeah. bencoiler.com B-E-N-K-W-E-L-L-E-R.com. Yeah. <laughs> uh that obviously the at ben queller on instagram twitter facebook that stuff is there too um but at benqueller.com you can sign up for queller news which uh we are about to uh come back out with our our newsletters again i've been kind of offline for a while since i've been writing mm-hmm. kind of hibernating in the studio but um now that i have a bunch of songs i think i'm gonna start just kind of giving some songs to my fans only via the email list, which I think will be fun. So that's a cool thing. Um definitely worth signing up for that.
0: Awesome. Yeah. Well, I'm gonna go sign up for that now. Uh and uh Do it. you uh you have a good rest of the day, man. Take it easy. All right. Thank
1: you Thank guys.
3: Bye
0: bye. Bye Ben. Bye.
3: Yeah
1: kind
0: of He's have so a friend fun. crush on Ben Queller right have, about now. There's
1: a bromance going on here. <laughs> I feel like you two would really hit it off in real life. I can't wait
0: to tell uh, my buddy, uh, I can't, who introduced me to him uh, way back in the day. I can't wait to late. tell
1: your wife <laughs> <laughs> that there's a bromance <laughs> happening. Uh, um, I go oh, yeah, Austin, buddy. Texas to run a
0: game for some, some, some rock musicians.
1: Why is Greg doing so much work in Austin, Texas. <laughs> Hmm. Hmm. He's so nice. He's a really cool dude.
0: And uh, I really like uh, his music. So if you don't know anything about Ben Queller, go check it out. He has a
1: lot. Has now I know how he's cranked out so many albums. He's writing like 40 songs at a time. Super fun. that normal, Ryan? You're a musician. Yeah.
0: Yes, he says. Yeah. All right. Well, we're the, well, we're the we're weird we're, ones. We're
1: no longer impressed. <laughs> we're, the, we're the writers who are like, well, maybe
0: I'll write once. Maybe
1: I I am going to strive for Maybe fifty to sixty words tonight <laughs> <laughs>
0: on Twitter. Uh, yeah, oh, yeah, right. Exactly. That's why I do my best. That makes perfect sense. So now we got to get a super group together of D and D rock stars. Uh, so um, I, I think we can make it work. I think it's we're going to get them all together. We're going to have uh, we'll, we'll list them out when we have them all confirmed. But okay. we're, we're slowly collecting a super group. I don't know if it'll be people who were you know can actually play music together, but they're going to be able to play Dungeons and Dragons. Or together.
1: just people who are named Ben.
0: Just people who are named, named <laughs> Ben. Exactly. It'd be Ben Petrosaur. Me- oh yeah, there we go. <laughs> There's another one. Yeah, uh, from the D and D team. Yep. Totally different personality-wise than Ben Koehler, I he don't have to say. He could have
1: like a secret musical life we don't know about. He's got so many
0: secrets that Ben Petrosaur. I
1: know. You know, I, I actually learned a few secrets. <sighs> I'm not going to talk out about him. them off mic. Yeah. But yeah. I was really. I was like, what? whoa, whoa really? know, who exactly told me right? that? Oh, Chris Lindsay. He's like a wealth of secrets, by the way. Sweet.
0: All right, well, we're going to get to the bottom of that. We're going yep. to get some investigative journalism uh, as far as finding out about all that. But I'm glad we got to, you know, hang out with Ben and... And learn about his Dungeons and Dragonsness.
1: I know. Me too. Me too.
0: So uh, you can uh, follow me on Twitter. I'm at Greg Tito. Uh, you can ask me anything about dungeon mastering and or my fandom of Ben Queller and Ben Folds and the Bens and/or and or romances, bromancing in Brooklyn. Uh, Whoa, Shelly, where can they find out about uh, something that alliterates from you? <sighs>
1: I don't know. Now you've really She's raised a, the bar. At
0: Shelly Moo dot shallamading dong. And uh Or
1: Avalon Hill too, the number two. Don't forget, follow Avalon Hill on Twitter.
0: Electric Boogaloo.
1: Electric Boogaloo Two. Or Avalon Hill
0: too. And, and of course, uh, you can follow all of your uh, Dungeons & Dragons stuff at DungeonsAndDragons.com, uh, Wizards underscore d Storm King's Thunder is out. Yep. It is a wonderful adventure. It's epic. Go check it out. Volo's Guide to Monsters. It's huge. It's dropping very soon. It's tremendous. It's a tremendous book about uh, monsters. Uh, it will be in game stores November 4th. It's got some... F- firth? Fourth. Fourth. <laughs> uh, wide release uh, after that, I believe, November 15th. Um, it, uh, there's an alt cover, an alternate cover that's created by so who? Someone awesome. Hi,
1: hi, are we allowed to say it? I'm,
0: sound, I'm telling you. Yeah, go ahead and say it.
1: Hydro 74? That's
0: correct. Bing, ding, 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 ding,
1: ding. Oh, nice. uh, it's
0: such an awesome cover. Uh, it's artwork uh, that would put all, all other artwork to shame. She,
1: I will tell you this, and this What's is that? huge for me. What's that? If I were ever going to have a tattoo... Which I won't.
0: Pointing to Ryan. he's got lots of tattoos.
1: <laughs> I would want something designed by him. Cool. I feel like his art is something that I actually could stare at for the rest of my life.
0: Funnily enough, I bet he uh, can make that happen for you.
1: Like, no. No, I'm I not ready yet. All right. All
0: right. Well, I'll call up uh, uh, him and uh, get, add him to the super group of people to play Dungeons and Dragons with. Um, he's got to change his name, though. if you like this conversation, uh, please <laughs> go ahead and call. go uh, get over to the iTunes. Tunes <laughs> Give us a rating and a review. It always helps uh, get more people to discover uh, Dungeons & Dragons and uh, how awesome it is. So please do that. Uh, And if you have any other system, if you're catching this podcast through any other means, use those systems too. It's it's amazing.
1: It's amazing. Do it. Technology is amazing.
0: Do it now and then do it after and then do it again.
1: And then tell your friends.
0: And then do it in the road.
1: But not while driving.
0: Not while driving. No, 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 no. That's crazy.
1: Do you know uh, that? I don't know what they're learning in daycare, but Quinn told me the other day don't drink and drive. You might spill it. <laughs> <laughs> like, ah, oh, so close. Oh, man. Yes. Your,
0: your three year old totally schooled you. He did. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. All right. Well, we're going to take off. See you guys next week.
1: Goodbye. Bye.